Welcome to Draft Utopia presented by ScoreStream, Chris Ransom, and that man who knows NFL Draft Insiders, Oren Sheary. We will talk news, free agency, the draft. Oren's prepared some topics for tonight's show. So I'm going to let him break down the intro for tonight's show. Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about a little bit what's happening. We've got a lot of, a lot of free agencies going on. I know we have uh, the coronavirus uh, stretching out to everybody. But you know what? There's actually a lot of transactions being made. Dad, Bailey, I'm sure teams and players are up front on the phone on uh you know, on FaceTime and or go to meeting or you know, one of those outlets types of things to get people stretching on. But so there's a lot of things um, I want to talk about that all actually happened today. Um Jadavian Clowney has a couple of things happening. Look for the Titans to actually might be swindling and picking him up. And actually, he's gonna he's asking for a lower price than the original twenty million dollars. He ex- expected to actually go around seventeen, eighteen million. That might actually move or persuade some other teams that not haven't been mentioned yet, like the Giants and the Colts were the two that mentioned. Maybe some other ones want a great, a nice defensive end on that end. Um, another uh, good signing for a defensive end: the Seahawks bring back uh, Benson Mawa. Uh, what do you think about that signing? Well, that could be a good depth signing. I still think they're going to look at other areas in the defensive side of the ball in the draft because Jerron Reed got re-signed, so now they've got this guy back for depth too. They brought their starter, Jerron Reed, back. I don't know if they need a second defensive tackle because it seems like they're addressing that position so they have some stability there. That might just mean they're not going with a defensive lineman at 27, a defensive tackle. I still think an edge rusher or an outside linebacker is on the table, depending on who's on their board and where they're picking or if they stay put or move up. There's lots of variables with the NFL draft that are going to take place over the next three weeks. One of the active uh, in free agencies were the Raiders. I guess Rodney Hudson uh, restructured his deal. He was getting paid a pretty good chunk, and that's going to lower that to about $2 million to be up some space uh, for the Raiders this year because they had a three-year extension last year for $34 million. Um, and then I think the other thing is um, I think the Patriots uh, decided to uh, cut quarterback Cody Kessler. What do you think about that? I mean, how many? They don't really. They really just have two quarterbacks now. Are they ready to bring somebody in uh, um, from the draft? Cody Kessler. I think they're either going to sign someone last minute, or they're probably going to draft someone. The latter of the two, or they draft someone, is more likely now because they're low on cap space. They have more cap space than the Chiefs, who have $177. That's their actual cap number, the Kansas City Chiefs. But we'll stick with the Patriots here. They have the fewest cap space among any team after the Chiefs. So, feasibly speaking, they made this move for two reasons. One, to create more cap space. And two, they probably need to use all their picks and their money. Their remaining team's capital that they have now from Cody Kessler, they're going to use that on during the draft and they'll probably cut some players after the draft to free up more cap space because 
they're going to need the money to sign the rookies if they're any good, or because you got to take that into consideration with everything that's being put on the table as far as salary cap negotiations goes. And I would think they're probably going to draft that QB. That's probably why they cut Kessler. And there's guys there. There's going to be guys at 23. There might even be a guy or two at 87 if they want to go with a position over a QB in the first round, which Belichick's been known for doing in years past. He's been known for taking a player of position ahead of a quarterback in the first round, but this might be the first time in their career where they ignore best player on their board and they go with a quarterback early in the first round. So to see how the Patriots are going to do in the post-Brady era is going to be interesting to see how it goes from here. Yeah, another another uh, signing uh, today was uh, Timmy Jernigan uh, signs with the Texans. And he finds, uh, you know, the longtime starter uh, who uh, actually, uh, I think, he will join the Texans team that saw longtime starter DJ Reader defect in free agency. But, you know, when he, he joins J.J. Watt, um, is this going to make him a better player than he was with the Eagles? Yeah, and what is this Ronald Darby you're talking about? Timmy Jernigan. Timmy Jernigan. What team again? He was all he's got on the Texans, and he's joining JJ Watt and company. Is this gonna make him a better player on the line? I don't know because honestly, I think it comes down to where they put him because the Texans need a nose tackle with DJ Reader gone, but Jernigan's a thirty four, forty three guy. And if he played in the 34, I think he'd be a defensive end rather than a nose tackle. So I don't think the Texans are the right fit for Jernigan. But maybe Jernigan will line up across from a lot at one of the defensive end spots and prove me wrong. I just don't see Jernigan as a nose tackle. And that's, I think, the fits what hurts this pick more than anything else. But the Texans can get a nose tackle in the draft, so we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, he's not... Jernigan has... Uh, 30, 13 sacks, 35 quarterback hits in the last three seasons. With Philly, he posted 5.5 sacks and 20, 12 knockdowns um, just last season. I think he's not a bad uh, player uh, to have for the Texans, and I think he joins a great defense over there. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, you have to worry about that, and you got to make sure you have the players in place, as well as the staff. Yesterday, the Titans made a move. They brought in uh, Jack Crawford, making his third team um, with only like four or five years on his belt. Um, What do you think about Jack Crawford joining the Titans? Jack Crawford. What position is he? I'm... I'm just having. Also, was he um? I, played on the Falcons with Vic Beasley. He played with the Falcons with Vic Beasley. I don't know what to think of this move. To be honest, I've never heard of that name, and I'm probably. I think he went. He may have gone to Penn State. I just. Yes, he has. Uh, you probably when you see his face, he was at Penn State, and then he yeah. went. He got drafted by the Raiders, and he moved to the. Uh, uh, I believe he played um, with the Cowboys, and then he went to the uh, Falcons, and then now he's going to the Falcons. 
Well, he's a nice journeyman pick. I mean, you've got two decent starters in Beasley and Landry, so if you're going to put him on the team, you can put him in as like a depth player at defensive end or outside linebacker. So it's a nice depth pick to stack your roster. Plus, they might try to bring Kamalai Correa back. Kamalai Correa was on the uh, Titans. They might re-sign him, too, I think. I don't know. Maybe that was an April Fool's joke. I don't know if that was or wasn't. There's been a lot of news stories that have been leaked today. They're fake news stories, and this happens every year on April Fool's Day in the NFL. People, they just post fake news stories for fun, and they do it just to get the reaction, the ha-ha emojis, just to see if people will fall for it. Mariota got traded to the Patriots. <laughs> okay, let me give you um, Browns um, defensive end. Oh, Browns sign. Is that Adrian Claiborne, the Adrian defensive Claiborne. end from the Falcons? Yes, I love this signing. Good signing, good player. Six million dollar deal could end up to being seven million dollars. You know, Claiborne worked as a part-time player for the Falcons past five years, but he had one Super Bowl with the Patriots in 2018. Um, he makes sense along this uh, uh, with the Browns, Miles Garrett, Oliver Vernon. This is a nice uh, little treat that the Browns are building there. I agree. This is a great signing, and for two reasons. One, you have Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon, but we didn't see Garrett and Vernon for a full 16-game season. When Garrett was healthy, Vernon was injured. And when Garrett was suspended, Vernon was healthy. So to get another edge rusher that's going to push those two guys to make sure Miles has his head on straight after the suspension, I like this move for the Browns, and I think it balances their... It's going to motivate their edge rusher to play even better next season. You know, it's just really nice to see what's going on. Um, I think... I believe the, uh, I heard this news yesterday. I'm not sure anything's happening with it yet. Everson Griffin interested in the Seahawks deal. Does he get re-signed by the Seahawks? Interested in joining the Seahawks? You know, they um, they haven't. They're not going to. Seahawks are not going to uh, retain Jadavion Clowney. That was decided earlier yesterday. Um, where, where is this taking and, and where are we going? Where is Seattle? You know, are they on the decline in defense? A lot of different operations that Pete Carroll's putting in, uh, into place here. You know, Seahawks did re-sign defensive tackle John Reed, brought back Bruce Irvin. Um, Seattle also, uh, last year, they drafted L.J. Collier. Uh, what, what's happening with this team? Are they, um, I think they're going to give Griffin a deal between 8 and 10 a year. Um, but... Clowney, you know, is, is asking almost for double, so he's not going to probably go back to uh, Seattle, that's for sure. But do you think Griffin will be the right uh, mix for Seattle? Everson Griffin, I think he's a nice depth player, but wait, Everson Griffin's on Seattle, so that means they're probably, because they had Ziggy Ansah and Clowney before um free agency. So Everson Griffin's officially a Seahawk. That fills a huge need for them because he's a good short-term player for them to have. And I think they drafted LJ Collier in the first round out of TCU, but he wasn't ready to start yet. So maybe they can make that tandem work, the Everson Griffin-LJ Collier tandem, 
Because if Seattle intends on making any type of run again next season like they did this year where they surprised everybody and their offensive line played up to par, they're going to need their offensive line to stay healthy and they're going to need that tandem. Everson Griffin, LJ Collier, they're going to need those edge rushers to step up the plate. I cannot stress how critical enough that's going to be for them moving forward because if they can get that the trenches both sides of the ball and Wilson plays well again, who knows how far Seattle could go. They might even capture the NFC because that's that's a big signing. Everson Griffin, that's, that's a big signing, but he hasn't been the same player he was since the Vikings got to the NFC Championship. So to see if he can turn it around in that circumstance will definitely be fun to watch. They got some good weapons for Russell Wilson, and it seems like they're doing everything they can to make sure Wilson gets back to where he was when he was at the peak of his career. I mean, they got they still have Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf's on the team. You brought in um, somebody to push for that slot receiver job in Dorsett, and you've got Josh Gordon, but Gordon's more of a bench player at this point. They didn't cut Josh Gordon, but... You know he's a reserve player with the receivers they have because Josh Gordon was a was on Seattle after Dorsett took his job in New England, and now they bring the same guy from New England to pre- replace Gordon as the slot guy. So, yeah, you got those three players. You also got the Will Disley, Greg Olson tight end tandem, a trio of running backs. So, they the Seattle offensively is loading up with weapons for Russell Wilson. They signed two offensive tackles to one-year deals, Shell and Ogbue, at free agency. So Seattle is loading up so that this offense has enough depth and stability for Russell Wilson to at least carry them to another NFC Championship game. That just seems like what they're doing because they want to take down the 49ers. They want to own this conference, and it feels like they're doing whatever they can to make sure that ends up happening. I don't know if it was or wasn't the right thing for the Bengals to do because he was their best, he was their most effective cover corner. He was covering the number one receivers. At the same time, even though he was covering the number one receivers, his play since 2017 or 2018 has declined immensely over the past year or two to the point where the Bengals felt like they had to cut him. I was really curious to see Traw Waynes, him, him, William Jackson third, and Traw Waynes in that nickel role replacing Darkeese Denard. Because that's what I originally envisioned with the Bengals go. I envisioned the Bengals taking that route. But the Bengals signed Waynes to replace Kirkpatrick, and they're still in the market for drafting another corner. So it just sort of came as a shock to me. Came, I wasn't anticipating that. But the Bengals coached the South team in the Senior Bowl in Mobile. So maybe they saw someone on that South team they really liked, and maybe they want to spend a day two pick on one of those players as a nickel corner, and then they're going to start Waynes and 
Waynes and William Jackson the third on the outside. Patriots could work. I feel like there are better QBs, but at the same time, Hertz has a better arm than Fromm. Like, Fromm underthrew a lot of passes against LSU, and Hertz, while he threw into coverage against LSU, he had a he showed better arm strength in the college football playoff. But Hertz also played some Big 12 teams, really wasn't tested against any of these Big 12 teams outside of Baylor. So I'm really curious, and Kansas State. Those two teams tested him, but I think Kansas State was a matter of tempo and them executing. But Hurts might be the right guy for the Patriots. I'm really curious to see where he goes, 
because he's very friendly and goal-oriented, and he's genuine. He seems certain of himself, and these are all very good qualities. When you watch him play, you watch him make throws, he's humble, he's poised, he's stoic, a lot of qualities you want your starting quarterback to have at the next level. So maybe Jalen Hurts is the man that the Patriots need in order to get back to where they were without Tom Brady. Yeah, Alden Smith, I'm surprised by that. So they're replacing Robert Quinn with Alden Smith. This feels like Greg Hardy all over again. And I know that's inappropriate to say after the whole Greg Hardy incident that happened with the, led him to being dismissed from the Panthers and then he got into another thing with the Cowboys. But this just feels like Greg Hardy all over again. I really don't have any other comment on this, but I'll let you comment on this if you've got something objective to say about the signing. Yeah, Joe Burrow's probably going to fit with the Bengals because they have weapons. They have lots of receivers. Boyd, John Ross, A.J. Green, Auden Tate. They have a two-back tandem of Mixon and Bernard. I feel like Udozma, while he's a solid tight end, there are better tight ends in this draft or guys that you can develop into his eventual replacement. And his offensive line's not what it was at LSU which may be why Burrow struggles early, but I think Burrow has the tools and the skill set to be a Bernie Kosar-type talent for the Bengals, kind of give them their best QB since Carson Palmer, and really take this team to where they need to be. So... I'm going to give you a hypothetical. We know it's not going to happen. But if that uh, young man, Ryan Tannehill, wasn't playing for the Titans, wouldn't he fit that? Earl would be better on the Titans. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm not going to comment. <laughs>
Chase Young, and, or, or, or Joe Burrow. Most likely Joe Burrow, unless it's in a trade. I actually could see Miami trying to move up and actually grabbing him. And Miami would work better for him as a quarterback, maybe not for Miami. Bengals can go get one of the other quarterbacks for Tua uh, and still be in the same boat. I have not seen the Bengals get out of luck in eons, whether they have Carson Palmer or Boomer. But it's going to be a long time coming. I would like to see a, a good quarterback. I, In my opinion, even though Burrow's top rated here, if Tua was 100%, he's probably the best quarterback in the draft right now. Um, but we'll, we'll see where that carries. He has a, anyway, Burrow has a 78% passing rating. How do you like that? He's 6'4", 216 pounds, great signal caller. He is one of the best, and he's going to probably go number one. Let's move to a, a different quarterback. Um, that uh, There's no need to say, um, we haven't been following him, you and I. But Jacob Eason of Washington. And earlier, before the Brady uh, signing, of, uh, I had him go to go to the Bucks somehow. But that's not going to happen. Where do you see Jacob Eason of Washington going, and where would he fit perfect? Well, Jacob Eason is a player that I feel like he's got the arm to dominate in this league but he I see only three progressions and I want to see him get up to six where quarterbacks like Mahomes, Goff, um, Prescott these were guys that knew how to make up to six progressions in college even though they didn't have the best supporting casts in college and they're able to do that consistently and they have much better supporting casts in the NFL so I want to see Eason get up to six progressions because I think he has the talent to be a starting quarterback. I think he has the upside to develop into a starting quarterback. Let me rephrase that. The upside to develop into a starting quarterback. Because he's got a lot to work with. Right, right. He's a big man. He's 6'6", six, 6'6", six, six, 234 pounds. Has one hell of an arm. Good cannon of an arm, like you said. Very athletic. Great in the pocket. Um, he is from the Pac-12. We have another quarterback we're going to talk about in just a minute from the Pac-12. Uh, you like him, and if I go down this team, who and who, you know, who would be who would be good on is the Washington Redskins. How do you like that call? Second round, Washington Redskins get that pick. Yeah, I mean, the Washington Redskins are a team that definitely looking at, probably looking at Chase Young, but I don't know if they're definitely going to take him because they have Kerrigan, they have Montez Sweat, and if they like those two players and one of the quarterbacks intrigues them enough and they're not impressed with Haskins, they could take a quarterback at two. I doubt they will, but it's it's on the table. That's all I'm saying. It's on the table. Not at number two, their second pick. They have 60, 
six. And yeah, they could take a quarterback there too. But I feel like they've got bigger needs at offensive tackle. I would take. I think they're probably going to take Chase Young and get a left tackle at that next spot at pick 66. Because that would be the ideal way to build this team. With Trent Williams holding out, wanting out, getting the left tackle at 66, Chase Young at two, a corner in the fourth round. But, but if you do that, you're, you're hinging your bets on Haskins to be the guy once again. And if things don't turn out well at that point, I think Haskins would probably be replaced by Lawrence or Fields. If they got those players and Haskins was still having problems, he'd be out. Even though he's done, he was even though he was rushed into lineup, he would be done at that point. Well, I think this Washington quarterback going to be the Washington quarterback of the East. He's heading through the skins. I think I call that number sixty-six at the, first, the beginning of the second, uh, third, correct? Yeah, I have Eason on the Buccaneers as a successor to Brady. I know that's kind of bold, but. That's where I slotted him. I kind of had that too. I mean, that's what I said in the beginning. I had him. We don't. There's no. There's not going to be Jameson Winston. You need someone uh, to fill Brady. But is that too early for right now? We don't know where they go. Tampa Bay would be perfect. I like if he did, if he goes to Tampa Bay for the Bucks. That's what they need. We have they have a player like uh, Chris Goodwin who can stretch the field like a 50-50 monster like Mike Evans. You know, someone like Easton skills make a ton of sense right here for Tampa Bay, and, and uh, that would be that would be good. But that's not going to be in the first round. That's for sure. Yeah, you're right. That won't be in the first round. Yeah. Um, you know, we I had prior to all this early, early, I had Herbert going to the Bengals because I thought he was the number one outstanding person. You know, either way, the Bengals don't have Andy Dalton. We talked about they're going to get Burrow. But they could stretch it out and get them. But I see Justin Herbert falling to the Chargers. Chargers don't have Rivers anymore. They haven't picked up uh, Newton yet. Or they haven't picked up Winston. Um, this is another big cornerback. Very, very athletic. If you watch his tape, it's wonderful to see. He has the tools. He's 6'6", 240. He's the biggest quarterback in the draft. Had Herbert opted out last season, he would have gone definitely number one. Um, basically, I love this. That his completion percentage is pretty high. Against USC, he just conquered. I mean, this guy knows how to play. He's played against good teams. He played against uh, – and he just – he has the mass to be a quarterback and stay on the West Coast, be the Los Angeles Chargers uh, quarterback for many years, just like Philip Rivers. What professor for Philip Rivers? I love that replacement. Yeah, Philip Rivers could definitely, they could, they could. I think Jordan loves someone like that would be a perfect fit for the Colts at 34. I mean, you don't have to take a quarterback there. You've got Brissett as your backup. You're, you weren't, you weren't listening to me. You weren't listening. All right. Go ahead. I was talking about Justin Herbert. Herbert's not go. I don't think Herbert's going to the Colts. They lo- they traded their first round pick. I don't think you're listening. 
I, I, I know I'm not listening to you, but you said Justin Herbert's going to the Colts and the Colts don't pick until 34. So I'm sorry for interrupting you, but there's this thing called reality, man. No, no, I said Justin Herbert is going to the Chargers. Yes, he is. The Chargers. I never said Colts. I heard Colts. I'm sorry, Oren. You said Rivers. I, I thought Colts. I'm sorry. That's my bad. I didn't hear you. All right? All right? All right? Okay. I'm sorry. That's my fault. Please continue. No, I said Justin Herbert is one of them. Justin Herbert, I'm not talking about the uh, free agencies. Uh, I'm talking about the players right now. I'm talking about Justin Herbert. I had him in the beginning going to the Colt, uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Now I have him going to the Los Angeles Chargers. Okay? He's All right. He's 240, has the tools, has major upsides, shows great growth. Herbert is, did incredibly well against USC, and, you know, he put on a clinic. That, that's what I'm trying to talk about. I'm talking about Justin Herbert, who has a cannon arm, and that's who I'm talking about. All right. And he does. Herbert does have a cannon arm. We saw him in Mobile for three days. He can throw it everywhere, and he has everything you want a quarterback to have. He's very charismatic and seems confident and set on his purpose. He seems like a guy that's going to make a difference for any franchise that's going to draft him. And I know people are going to question his consistency on his throws at the college level and how that might not translate to the pro level. Oregon's had a questionable history with quarterbacks, but it's like, I think Herbert's the guy that's going to break that trend. I really do, and I think he's a great fit for the Chargers as the heir apparent to Phillip Rivers at six. I said earlier, I guess you, you, you got sidetracked. You yeah, maybe I was sidetracked. I have had a rough day today, but yeah, that's my fault if I got sidetracked. I, I'm, I've apologized twice, maybe three times now, but yeah, Herbert to six, I think that's a great fit for the Chargers. Right, that's bad. Then I haven't discussed Tua Tagovailoa. I don't know his last name. Tua. Tua Tagovailoa. Yeah, um, I have him going to the Dolphins. And I think he fits the Dolphins. He's the type of player that fits that culture of team. He played a long time. He's a quarterback position in that group. Yes, he has that injury. Physically, He's a little bit smaller than the other ones, 6'1", 200 pounds. Nonetheless, he's tough, very durable, very good inside the pocket. He, he does very good things. Um, he almost looks like a magician playing on the field. Um, very good running style. And he has 75 passes complete from when he was. Um, and, you know, you just got to look at his hands. Look how he goes around the defenders like it's just a really good – to me, he compares to one of my favorite quarterbacks, active quarterbacks, Drew Brees, and I think you're going to see a lot of that. Um, he's going – getting on a team, and Miami Dolphins have a long-term quarterback coming to their place, and that's where he's going to land. And he's very accurate with the ball, as you said. In fact, when I did his film cut versus LSU earlier in the season, one thing I noticed in that game is even though LSU won because they executed and made the right plays – Tua had more big boy throws. He had better deep ball accuracy in that game, despite the loss. But that may have been due to Alabama's receivers, too. They have some fast, 
weapons. Let me, I'll just say that. So we'll see how he translates to the NFL. I think it's going to be really exciting to see him grow and develop in the next level because he's going to have a different set of players to work with, and he'll have Parker and Mike Gil Mike Gusecki, so he's going to have some good players to work with. So I'm kind of excited to see what he can do for Miami. Well, we got to break down the first round in its entirety next week as well as the receivers because it's like the draft's three weeks away. We got like for day one, day two, day three. Like we got all this stuff to do. Yeah, we're going to go through the draft right now um, and get, until we get a little bit uh, worked up. But we know we talked about Joe Burrow. No shocker here. He's going to be number one going to Cincinnati. Remain top of the Bengals draft board. No problem here. You know, he's the guy. There's no way. Um, you know, when Roger Goodell, there's no, um, there's no going to be a, say, Roger Goodell going to go up on the podium. But uh, from from the Cincinnati Bengals territory, number one draft pick, Joe Burrow. And that's going to be what it's going to sound like. I don't know exactly, but uh, it's going to be a little bit different when it comes up. Who do you got, got going number two? Well, Burrow's going to be the first pick. I think Chase Young's probably going to be the second pick. I think those two are the givens. And then next team on the board is Detroit at three. This is where things get interesting because I think they're going to go one of two different routes. So which route they go, maybe three routes. But where they decide to go at three is going to set up how the rest of this draft plays out because – I'm looking at the secondary. Either Jeffrey Okuda as a corner to pair with Desmond Trufant because they have two okay corners in Omari Uwari and um, Justin Coleman. But Uwari would move to the nickel in this scenario. And Okuda, worst case, you could be taking a number two corner or a nickel corner if Omani beats out Okuda because they were both, Okuda and Omani were both number one corners in college. But those guys would be competing for the number two job with Okuda likely edging out Amani and then Amani moving to the nickel. But either way, the Lions are putting themselves in a position so they have a long-term number one and number two corner because they want to get this right. They want to make sure they have the talent around them. Detroit could also target the offensive line, so I think Detroit really at three is the most interesting pick because Ricky Wagner on the Packers now, they still have an address right tackle. Right guard could also be an area to improve. I think they actually got someone. I'm not sure, but there's rumors they're going to trade Taylor Decker to their left tackle. I'm not reading into it at this point until something actually happens. So we'll see what happens with the Lions. But where do you think they're going at three, Orn, before we break down the next team on the clock? Okay. Jeffrey Okuda, not to get on his bad wing. I love this player. He goes right, right, fits right with Trufant. Kuda and Coleman. Can you believe that little uh, little there? Um, yeah, they may need some linebacker depth, but you know what? Um, they do have some linebackers where uh, they. I feel that the secondary is needing more here than than you really think. Uh, hey, and that's the way I'm going there. Um, I'm going to keep it going. Number four, we got the New York Giants. I say they grab the first tackle available. And they go with the Iowa man out of Tristan Wirfs. 
Yeah, because I think what's going to happen with the Giants is one of two scenarios. The Lions are going to take Okuda, and they're going to take Simmons, and then get a tackle in the second round. Or the second scenario is the Lions grab Simmons at three, and the Giants draft Wirfs at four. I think one of those two scenarios is going to happen on draft day. It just comes down to which one happens. And that'll set up for the quarterbacks at five and six that we just discussed. And then that'll lead to Carolina picking at seven. Brian Burns is their only, like, returning starter from last year. Their first-round pick, Brian Burns. That's their only returning starter. They, that's how much talent they've lost. And they have Dante Jackson, the guy from LSU, in the second-round pick in 2018. So they have those two players. But it feels like with them losing McCoy, Poe, um, they lost Keekley, which feels like two inside linebackers. It just feels like they've lost a lot of talent. So it's going to be exciting to see what they do at seven to limit the bleeding on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, if Isaiah Simmons is there, undoubtedly, he has a higher ceiling than half of these players. I don't even think Simmons is going to make it to seven. I think Detroit or the Giants is going to pick him in the top five. But if he does make it to seven, that's who they should pick. I agree with you. If he's there at seven, you take him. So you had Okuda the Lions at three then, just off the record. Yes. Uh, number eight, I, I, I took another, uh, uh, the second offensive line out of each place. I think the Cardinals, the quarterback, they got the receiver in free agency. They have a young quarterback. They need a young, they need somebody on the line. They get that good guy. Jedrick Wills from Alabama is an offensive tackle that can hold up many years on that offensive line and make uh, and uh, Hopkins look like a look like a, a really uh, genuine type of thing. Yeah, Cardinals already have DJ Humphrey, but I, I like this uh, blocking team here. And that's what I have. You there? Yes. Um, what was that? I don't know if you can. I can hear, I heard you, I think you said Okuda the Lions at three, and then number eight, though, I couldn't hear you. Yeah, that's, you're not, you're not. Jedrick Wills. Jedrick Wills, junior to the Cardinals, the offensive tackle. I know earlier this afternoon, even though I have, even though they brought back two tackles, Justin Murray and Marcus Gilbert, Michael Gartman posted an Instagram thing of Jedrick Wills in a Cardinals jersey. So I don't know if that means that the Cardinals have already decided that he's going to be the player they're taking at eight. It could be. I, I I feel like they might go with the defensive side of the ball and take Javon Kinlaw to South Carolina because they brought both tackles back. But at the same time, if they're that sold on Wills, he'll be the pick. And then Gilbert and Justin Murray will be swing tackles, reserves, backups. It really depends on what the Cardinals are thinking at eight. Because they've got their receivers. I think this pick's either Wills or Kinlaw. It's just a matter of which route are they going to go 
keep their current tackles that they had last year or try to get an upgrade so Kyler Murray has max protection with this offense and then go that route because they could go either route at eight. Who do you have in number nine? Well, I had Kinlaw at eight because they lost Rodney Gunter, but at number nine, I... This is... Um, Jaguars, I'm sorry. The Jaguars had... I think I gave the Jaguars Jerry Judy here because I just feel he's the most complete player in this draft as far as talent and skill set goes. But if one of the defensive tackles falls to Jacksonville, whether it be Derek Brown or Kinlaw, this could be where a defensive line gets picked. They could go CeeDee Lamb too. There's a lot of options on the table for the Jaguars. So I'm really curious to see what they're going to do at 9 because I think they do want to fix the defense. I'm going to surprise everybody. Who likes Nick Foles to be the starter? Why is Nick Foles the starter? Well, Nick Foles isn't the starter. He's on the Bears now. And I believe the guy that you're thinking of is Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew. Sorry about that. That's all right. I. Gardner Minshew is going to be the starter for the next five years. You really feel that way about Minshew? You think he can be the starter moving forward? No, I don't. That's why I'm picking Jordan Love. Right there. Surprise attack. I love it. I love the element of surprise. Jordan Love going to Jacksonville. That is going to create so much controversy. And Jordan Love might be the one guy in this draft that might actually present a medium upgrade over Gardner Minshew. And if you get him at 9, you just have to make sure not to rush him into the lineup because there's a lot of pieces in place. Westbrook, Chark, Marquise Lee coming back off an injury. Eifert, Leonard Fournette. I'm trying to be as objective about this offense as possible. But Jordan Love, this might not be the this might be the worst fit for him due to the fact that I don't know if um, maybe it'll be a good fit. I just feel like there's a lot that the Jaguars need to do. So if they draft him, they better sit him for a half the season and try to figure out what else they do. But if he wins the starting job, then he's the guy, period. And he's going to be the guy moving forward. So we'll see what happens with Jordan Love if they actually take him at nine. Right. Unless they go and get James and Winston in free agency, that's where I think just kind of niche. I don't. Minshew looked good at the beginning of the year, but he fizzled down the stretch. After Nick Foles got after Nick Foles lost the starting job, Minshew was just iffy down the stretch, and he, he. So we'll see what happens. I don't know if that's going to affect his confidence. I'm just curious to see where the Jaguars stand. Right, and the other thing is you don't want Garden Minshew to go down and they start Josh Dobbs. Yeah. Okay, there, I answered it. Anyway, let's... a good selling point. Right. Okay, let's move to the Browns here. You got the 10th overall pick. You got Baker Mayfield. Wonderful Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry. I got a little building plan over there on the offense. Do they get the defensive tackle? Or, since they got Tristan Wirfs and Jared Wills in my draft are gone, now I think they go go get the third guy. Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. You gotta love this guy. Big guy, 320 pounds, 6'5. Did pretty good in the uh, 
Yeah, Andrew Thomas has amazing tape. I had this guy at high number three at one point, and the Cleveland Browns taking him at 10. That's, I have the first offensive tackle in the new mock I'm going to do at 10 to the Browns. But if Worfs is not there, Andrew Thomas, I think, is the best fit for Cleveland. You have him at the blind side. You have Conklin as the right tackle. Baker's offensive line is taken care of, and now you just have to get more pieces around Mr. Baker Mayfield. The Jets need a corner, they need a pass rusher, offensive line help. They brought in George Fant and um, to replace um, Kelvin Beecham, and they got um, Chuma Idoga, their USC right tackle. He's replacing Brandon Shell. So it feels like they've downgraded on the offensive line in terms of pass protection, even though they have very good run blockers for Levy and Bell. I don't think so because they have Steve McClure. Well, it depends. They have Henry Anderson and Quentin Williams as their 34 defensive ends. And their nose tackle is Steve McClendon. And while I love Steve McClendon, the one player in this draft that is an upgrade over McClendon is Derek Brown of Auburn. And I'm guessing that's who you're penciling into the Jets. Yep, Derek Brown of Auburn. That's who I have penciling to the Jets. Uh, because it gives a way, I mean, if he slips to the Raiders, I just feel that, I, I, I just feel, or somebody moving up, like the Eagles would love to have Brown if they move up. But I don't do trades on my draft, I just chit-chat. Yeah, and they've um, got Malik Jackson, they got Hargrave from the Steelers, they've got... Um, Fletcher Cox anchoring that defensive line. I feel like the Eagles are just set with their defensive line moving forward. I feel, I feel if the Eagles moved, actually, my, excuse me, if the Eagles moved up with the Jets and made that trade, C.D. Lamb. Yeah, um, definitely. C.D. Lamb would definitely be the pick. Given Carson uh, another thing. But anyway, I have C.D. Lamb since he slips the Raiders. CeeDee Lamb is the pick to the Raiders, giving Derek Carr a weapon, a must-weapon that he needs. Um, he, they did a lot on the uh, defensive side. If Derek Brown's there, I don't know. Maybe they can use another tackle because they did pick up Nassim on the end. They got two ends. They got two defensive ends. Corey Littleton, Nick Kolskowski. They did pick up a couple of guys on linebackers. They did get a corner. Not so good corner. Jeff 
in safety. Brent Brown, if the Brown was there and he doesn't get picked by the Jets, don't be, and he doesn't get picked by the first 10 picks. If Brown's still available, don't hesitate. The Gruden could pick him up. Um, he, 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 he's a player other than a, other than receiver. But I do see uh, CeeDee Lamb being the pick in this situation. Um, number number 13, I have the next best wide receiver, Jerry Judy, who goes to San Francisco. Damn, that's a steal. That's That's a huge steal. I know most experts have Lamb ahead of Judy, but I felt like Judy was this blue-chip receiver, and it's that close. It honestly is that close, where you you can't fault a team for taking Lamb over Judy. These receivers, are both of them, are both that good. Yeah, I mean, they're about the same size. Don't get me wrong. I'm not really reaching too much. I, I just, I'll be happy with either one of them, to tell you the truth, but I, I, I don't want to be thick, be busy. But um, last week's addition with uh, San Francisco got Travis Benjamin. Isn't likely going to affect the 49ers draft plans at all. Um, they could go Judy. They could go Ruggs. Whatever they They like, could go Kinlaw. They could go whichever player they feel is the best fit at 13. That would be the player they would take. And Kyle Shanahan needs to pick up the offense. And giving uh, Garoppolo a weapon is exactly what they need. And to get over the top of which they missed out here in the in, in the Super Bowl, and, and I think Judy would be the right right man for that uh, thing. All right, fourteen. I have Makai Becton here, the Louisville right tackle. Tampa Bay just needs some sort of offensive line reinforcement, and then maybe in the second round they could get a running back to complement um, push Ronald Jones. I love this pick because it's exactly off my draft board. I got Miliki Becton from Louisville, offensive tackle, huge man, 6'7", 364, one of the top offensive tackles in this draft. Um, the Bucks need a brace. We need a mark. They need to have somebody blocking for Brady. <coughs> Brady, Brady is, a, is not done spring chicken anymore. And, uh, you know, they don't have – I mean, they're going to have their, – their, Offensive lunch, death chart is not that great either. So you don't want to put Brady in a sandwich when he's just coming from one of the best offensive lines all the time. Bill Belichick knew how to build that uh, Patriots offensive line. I think this is the Bucks need to start doing the same thing. They certainly do. Fifteen is the Broncos. I gave the Broncos Justin Jefferson, the LSU receiver. I think I had a run on receivers from 11, or I don't know if it was 9 to 14, but I had Judy at 9, Lamb at 11, and then I had Higgins at 12, and then at 13 I gave the 49ers rugs. So that's why Justin Jefferson, slight reach for the Broncos here, but I felt he was the best fit as far as talent goes. And he's had a good run leading up to this draft. And then the final player at 16 I'm going to get to I have Epineza, the edge rusher from Iowa to Atlanta. What do you have in the top 16? And then we'll read through 17 through 32 really quickly because we only have um, four minutes, five minutes left on anchor. Well, Javion Kinlaw is who I give Denver. And don't be surprised why. Shelby Harris may have returned to Denver, but that's a one-year deal. A one-year deal. 
and they're, they don't have Derek Wolf. Broncos need a defensive tackle, whether you like it or not. Uh, Kinlaw is the ideal size of five technique in Big Bandango's system. He's very impressive. I like this one. Got Chubb and Miller on the sides. It's going to make the Broncos a very dominant defense if they do that. Everybody goes and gets a receiver here for Kinlaw. Uh, I've seen a lot. I mean, uh, for the Broncos, uh, I've seen a lot of drafts do that, but they're not thinking about the defense. The defense were the problem. Were really lying from the Broncos last. And I, I'm, an, I'm more in the AFC West analyst, and I've seen that. That's why they couldn't really compete in the AFC West. Uh, 16, I have the edge that you have, uh, Kayvon Chason. Um, um, I think the Ra- Ravens can still go get somebody in free agency, but right now um, they definitely have their quarterback. They have they look great. Um, as far as offense, I think they just need a new some other plugs to do in the field of uh, defense. Kalevion Chason is a step above heavy hands, naturally bet. A pretty good, uh, um, great in coverage, violent, um, you know, very good burst. I like his type of uh, things and it's, uh, to be one of the next elite uh, pass rushers in the NFL. It's certainly for the Ravens that are known for those kind of things. And that's where I am on my uh, draft. Yeah. And... You want, you want to talk about the, uh, the next... Uh, um, the, yeah, uh, we'll try to cover the back half here. There's only three min- less than three minutes left. We're gonna do, do a quick run-through here. 17 Dallas Cowboys. I'm, I'm not sure who the Cowboys would take here. I'm going to let you make this pick, and then I'll try 18... Florida going to the Dallas Cowboys. Gotta love this pick. Um, they need something on defense. Six interceptions, two touchdowns, and two forced fumbles. That's not bad. 93 tackles. I mean, this guy. He covers well. You want to see him improve his ability to um, take tackles. Um, number 18, I'm just skimming through this. 18 is. I don't know. 18 is the Dolphins. Yeah, so the Dolphins, I'm. I think the Dolphins at this point, if all the receivers are off the board, they go with a tackle or maybe an edge rusher. This is a tricky situation. You want a receiver like Ruggs or Judy or Higgins or someone there, but if all the tackles and all the receivers are off the board due to the demand, maybe you go edge rusher, maybe you trade back. I just think it's going to come down to who's there. If Andrew Thomas or Becton or one of the tackles is there at 18, Due to Kinlaw being in the Cardinals at eight, that's who they take. And if all the tackles are gone and all the good receivers are gone, then they might have to trade out of that spot. But again, it depends on what's there. Yeah, I mean, I got Josh Jones going over here. They need a tackle for the new quarterback, and that's what they get. I've got Fulton at 19 to the Raiders, who you had in your previous group mock. And then at 20, the Rams, I think I gave them... Um, I, I'm not sure. No, it's not the Rams. It's the Jaguars. The Jaguars, I gave them digs. But I could see the next two corners coming off the board at these spots. A cornerback run. Might even see C.J. Henderson here, depending on if who's ranked higher. The Jaguars could get C.J. Henderson here, too. It really depends. Because those four corners, um, the three SEC guys in Okuda are going to be the first four corners picked in this draft. There's no questioning that. Then you got the playoff teams. The Eagles probably get a receiver 
or a linebacker. If Kenneth Murray's still on the board here, he'll be the pick for the Eagles, or maybe the Raiders will take him. It really depends. Because I think Kenneth Murray would be a great fit for the Eagles if he makes it to this point. And then 22, you're looking at the Vikings. So Patriots pick at 23, 24. Vikings picking it at 25. And that'll wrap it up. Time ran out. 